Hello and uh, welcome to What Divines Us. My name is Rabbi Abram Goodstein. And my name is Reverend Matthew Schultz. And we're glad that you're here. Uh, so, uh, Reverend Matthew Schultz, what are we talking about today? Nothing much interesting going on in the world at all. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't even be all silly about it. We, we had two topics to maybe t- cover today. One of them is silly. We talked about maybe talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. Because that's fun. But... You know, there's an elephant in the room in current events. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, we have the Israel-Hamas war, which is what I'm hearing it being called right now. That name for it could change. But sure. certainly is a conflict right now in the Middle East. It's, uh, I think every Jewish community is watching quite closely. Of course. And in some ways, I feel like we're in the early stages of it. Yeah. And in other ways, I feel like it's been going on for a thousand years. Yes, and both are true. As we enter this conversation, I just want to, right off the bat, acknowledge that I usually don't know what I'm talking about on this topic. Uh I feel confused and underinformed, and I hope you can teach a lot. Yeah, there's a a very long, I would say, historical component to this Mm -hmm. that even I get confused about because there's so much that's happened historically. Um, in this in this small little place in the Middle East, right? You know, it's yeah. not Israel's not that big of a country. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's about the size of Delaware, maybe. Like it's wow. not it's not big at all. Yeah. But so much conflict has occurred in this area over mm-hmm. the years um, that it's, it's, it's there's a compli- it's a, there's a complicated amount of and uh, of things going on and a lot of nuance yeah. as well that's yeah. complicated to sort of grapple with. So yeah, I mean, I mean maybe the format we should do this, Matt, is that you ask me the questions and I'll try to answer them. There's just a lot. And, okay. And well, if we were going to do that, I should have prepared some questions. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I feel like there are so many questions that so many have and feel free to go off on lots of different tangents as yeah. you see fit. Yeah. I feel like the, the main thing that is tripping me up is that there's a, uh, a tendency to link the modern-day expression of the nation-state of Israel mm-hmm. and Judaism as a whole. Yeah. And if if someone were to say something along the lines of, I don't like what the nation of Israel chose to do today, would that be the same as being anti-Semitic? And at the same time, if someone said, Israel has the right to defend itself, does that mean that I am signing on to everything Israel does and has done? Yeah. So I guess those are two different things. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. the distinction between Israel and Judaism and support of Israel as opposed to recognizing nuance. Yeah. So I guess the first way to answer that question, Matt, is that do you support everything the U.S. does? No. Exactly. Uh, so I so certainly that uh, I, I personally, before uh, the this war, I would easily say, yeah, there's lots of things that Israel does that I do not support. But yeah. I lived there for over a year. I've been there uh, lots of times. And us Jews, we see Israel as sort of our spiritual homeland. Mm-hmm. Um, Israel's existence it, it helps helps us feel better about ourselves, essentially, and about our yeah. own existence. Uh, and so there's that. But uh, that being said, as much as I support Israelis and as much as I have supported the government in the past, I don't always support things that Israel does. Like, I certainly didn't support how Israel was encroaching into sort of the East Bank uh, with its uh, settlements. It has settlements that they're using. Yeah. Uh, and, like, you know, I, I don't like that. I don't support that. But I support that Israel exists, and I, and I think Israel is needed. Now now that we're in the this Israel-Hamas war, I'm a little more careful with my language, Matt. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I really want just to, sh- to be vocally supportive of Israel because I don't want people to be confused. that These nuances are problematic. Yeah. And that being said, I, I believe that 
uh, civilians and people who are innocent have the right to, uh, you know, to, to being secure, whether they're Palestinians or whether they're Israelis. I mean, yeah. they, have a, they, have, they should have lots of rights, um, and rights are being impacted on, on both sides of this war, and that's, and that's wrong. Mm-hmm. So, but the question is, like, then, so how do we sort of, like, tangle this out? And I, and I think what, where many of us Jews and, and Jewish professionals and Jewish leaders have come to is that we don't like Hamas, right? We sure. want, it's Hamas that we, that we, that needs to be gone. That feels like one of the few areas of unity yeah, yeah, going on right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we are, um, we are sad by innocent Palestinians dying in this conflict. Yeah. Absolutely. And so for us, it's, it's Hamas. And, uh, and so that being said, historically, though, there has been this sentiment that if you're anti-Zionist, so, so anti-Zionist is against the state of Israel, mm-hmm. uh, then uh, you're also anti-Semitic. And that's complicated. That's really complicated. Some, some groups of people conflict the two as the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they say, I'm against, I'm against Israel, thus I'm against all Jews. And I'm just like, I, I don't get it. I don't get why, why you take that stance. Because Jews and Israelis are not the same thing, right? Okay. Um, certainly most Israelis are Jewish, uh, but not all Jews are Israeli. You know, I'm right. not Israeli and I'm mm-hmm. Jewish. Uh, and so there, there's that kind of problem, too, that we have to sort of tangle out. Yeah. And there's a lot of nuances there. You've said several times on the podcast that if you put, I think you phrase it, you put two Jews in the room, you get three opinions. Yes. And yeah. that, that tended to be in terms of theological conversations, right? Spiritual issues. Does that also apply to how it applies to how Israel functions? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we, I, every, I, I feel like every Jew, Jewish person thinks for themselves in, in a way where they come to their own conclusions, which is good. Which is good, and that and that means that their conclusions are all all over the place. Yeah. Uh, sometimes many of them line up. Sometimes many of them don't. Um, and so that that leads to some complexities with, with just within our own religion, right? Yeah. How we feel about this conflict for sure. And and I can tell you right now that we're all trying to work together, but we that many of us are, are are all over the place, and we're all very emotional about this too, Matt. Like I can tell you right now, personally, I'm emotionally compromised, and that means, and I can guarantee you, almost every single Jewish person is emotionally compromised by this, which means we're we're living in a sort of heightened emotional experience right now, which means yeah, we we get angrier, easier, or we're, or we're conflicting more. So the the emotions are tied to, I would imagine, at least two different things. One of them being an attack on a nation that you have um, cultural and religious ties to. Yeah. But also, probably many people in your congregation know people that are, if oh. not, if who have not necessarily, if they haven't been killed, at least they've been deeply, deeply impacted. I would, I can almost guarantee you that every congregation in the whole world mm-hmm. has been impacted by this. Right, that they if they don't know someone that's been that's that's been killed or or hostage from Hamas, they know someone who knows someone. It's not that the degree of separation is two at the most wow. for every, almost every single Jewish community in the world. So maybe this is a troubling thing to bring up, but I know I'm pretty sure President Biden said that there are similarities that what this was for Israel is what September 11th was for the U.S. Yeah, but the way you're describing it, I feel like it's far more intense than that because. That that separation is so much smaller. I don't want to say that. Like, that, I guess that's a rude question. September 11th question. was yeah, pretty yeah. was pretty intense. There's it was no pretty way to bad. That. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. There, yeah. There is no real comparison here because you don't you don't want to compare. That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> those good point. Two yeah. things. Tell uh, me who's who feels worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, All right, that dumb was question. Really, that dumb was really question. awful yeah. too. But yeah, I've heard lots of comparisons of that. Like, this is. Okay. 
Israel's September 11th moment, yeah. right? And like, and how they react to that, well, it, it is interesting because you know I think way that the the U.S. reacted September 11th was in some ways good, but in some ways we overreacted, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with the Patriot Act, um, right? And uh, and so we took away rights from citizens due to our reaction in the 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think historically we, we recognize, eh, maybe that was a little too much. Right. Um, Islamophobia, uh, as a reaction to that, was huge and problematic. And I'll guarantee you right now, Islamophobia right now is, is skyrocketing. Sure. Which we don't agree with, right? Right. right. We, you know, we want to make sure, you know, we, don't, we don't, I don't see anyone of the Muslim faith, especially here in our community in Anchorage, but any community in the U.S., as a part of this or, or as a reason for this. Yeah. Um, they're just, they're victims as much as Jews are in this situation. Um, so, so, so now we're watching what Israel does mm-hmm. as a reaction, and we're all pretty scared, and because it, it, Israel has a has a problem, right? Like, like uh, one of the ways that I've described this sort of this event is that we will, we really watch the pogrom happen in real time, mm-hmm. and a pogrom is is a is a group of people, usually of a specific nationality, deciding to kill Jews, and um, this has happened. This is a phenomenon that's happened throughout history, specifically to Jewish people. Um, I can tell you right now, Matt, that like I have family history where um, I got family tied back to Lithuania, mm. and we're definitely here in the U.S. because my Lithuanian ancestors fl- fled Lithuania because of pogroms. Wow! Right, and so many of us who are in the U.S. and who are in Israel, those are we're there because we were fleeing. Yeah. Not because we decide just to move. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a really important the difference there. Of course. Uh, yeah. So so watching a program happen in real time on mm-hmm. live television really triggers our generational trauma. Yeah. It's because Jews have generational trauma. Right. Um, it's not, not all people have that, maybe understand that, mm-hmm. but we, it's just, it's a thing. We pass it down. We don't mean to. It's, yeah. like, it's, like, it's like genetics. It's just, we have to talk about all those times where we were, we were, you know, killed or attempted to be killed to our, to our children. And so they hear that and they become traumatized by that. Yeah. Just by the fact that we, just by the very fact of it existing or happening. So when that triggers, Matt, we're not doing great. <laughs> Of course, uh, yeah. and um, and so this uh, and so think of a whole country now. Think of a whole country that that all have generational trauma and that collectively has been triggered. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they going to do next? And and that's and that's a big fear that yeah. we're that we're, we're all trying to figure out. Um, and so at this moment, as we record this podcast, it's a wait and see, right? We haven't we haven't necessarily Israel has not at this moment. Uh, gone into Gaza Strip via soldiers on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. But they asked the UN to ask Gaza to evacuate a million Palestinians uh, in the north to the to the south so they can go in. Mm-hmm. That's a, almost an impossible thing to do. You can't, right. you can't evacuate a million people. Right, um, right. And yet Israel, who said that they would do it in 24 hours, hasn't done it yet. It's been six days. So... Mm-hmm. Is that perhaps then like a show of... Uh, Mercy to like allow more people to get to safety. Is that how you read that? Yeah, I mean, I don't. There's more than I don't know than I do know. Sure, you know, and uh, so I hope so. Yeah. I hope that's the case. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, I'm saying this now, and maybe as people get this, as this podcast goes out, we Who could knows? be hearing that. Yeah. No, Israel's in. Israel has now has now crossed over to Gaza Strip, and and they have soldiers on the ground there. I 
We don't know. We yeah. just don't know. Yeah. Given the variety of uh, opinions on all sides and given the heightened feelings and emotions, as a clergy person, acknowledging that you don't have all the answers, how, what are you hearing and how do you act as a caretaker for your congregation? How, how do you serve your congregation at a time like this? Yeah, I mean, I think um, every, we're all managing a tremendous amount of fear. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, whether the fear is logical or rational, who mm-hmm. cares? Right. We're feeling it. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, I mean, that's what we're trying to figure out. Like, what do you do when you're afraid, Matt? Uh, across, Jews are reacting to their fear across across the gambit, how one reacts to it. Right, um, right. I'm really proud of our community. I feel like our community has really stepped up. Our community has been, pretty, has been quite brave, um, even while feeling this fear. Uh, so last Friday... It was a really difficult Shabbat for us, not just because of the event of the conflict, uh, but it was Hamas had declared that Friday. What do they call it? The Day of Rage, I think. Yeah. Where they where they told it? Where they told anyone who listened? This is the day that we are raging against Jews, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so he, here up in Alaska, which couldn't be more different than what's going on in the Middle East, which couldn't be more different than being in the rest of the lower 48, we were still terrified, Matt. Yeah. And I was so proud of my community who showed up to Shabbat anyways, I think specifically because of it was referred to as the Day of Rage by Hamas. Yeah. But have you ever done that before, Matt? Do Christians ever do that? Like, do they, no. uh, you know, like this is a unique thing for Judaism that we have to show bravery just to go to our place of worship, a place that right. is a home for our faith. Yeah. Matt, that that makes me so sad right. that we live in a world where that's the case, mm-hmm. and yet that's the world that we live in right now. You made the comment on Saturday that, that uh, you you thanked the the Anchorage Police Department, and you said sadly it's not the first time you've called on them to be present. Um, yeah, yeah. So so Saturday we had a we had our vigil, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yes, I uh, we have a really. Good relationship with both the Anchorage Police Department and the FBI mm-hmm. that we have we've that since we've worked on for over the course of the many years. And yes, every single high holidays, right, that, that, that's Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. We literally have APD in, in our parking lot, yeah. um, and that's just a fact of life, mm-hmm. right? That's been a, that's been a fact of life for my entire life. I, let's sit with that for a minute and how. Shitty that is. I'll I'll get myself bleeped on this episode. <laughs> I mean that shouldn't be, and I don't know how. Do you ever get used to it? Is it to the point now where you pull in and you see the flashing lights and you don't register it, or is it still a shot in the gut every time? I guarantee you, for maybe seventy to five percent of our congregation, they see those flashing lights and they feel relief. Wow. Okay. Relief is what yeah. they experience when they see it, mm-hmm. right? Especially for high holidays, right? Yeah. Great. Not only not only is there a police officer here, but if something does go down, he's on there. He can be on the radio, or she can be on the radio right away, and we can yeah. have more officers come really quickly, right? That's right. That's what we experience. So we don't we don't. It's not gut punch for a lot of Jews. It's just a sense of relief. It feels like preventative. Yeah. Care. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's just the worst. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, 
Yeah, and security's expensive. It's it's an expense, you know. Think about like how much it costs to plow your parking lot mm-hmm. uh, at any given church. It's part of your expenses. Well, for us, security is part of that. Do you that have to pay budget. for the APD to be there? Yeah, they, they're there. They're absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, they're there for overtime. Now that being said, APD volunteered a lot of their officers this last weekend, last week and a half, which is okay. one of the reasons why I've been so thrilled with them. Yeah, right. You know, they've been so good with us. But yeah, for high holidays, we we pay for APD to be there. Absolutely. Are you allowed to? share at all about the what you mentioned with the FBI? Yeah, well, I mean, yes. So the FBI, so something really interesting this, You happened. should know this podcast is not confidential. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, we have a great relationship with the FBI field office here in Anchorage, uh, and so we had a, a, a community member who had a, a missing loved one in Israel, which when we now say missing loved one in Israel, what that means is hostage. Yeah. Right, okay. that's what that's code for. Wow. If you ever hear I'm, there's someone missing in Israel, what you're actually saying is, I think that person's a hostage. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we were, we, we were, of course, terrified and hoping for the best. And so uh, we just gave them. The FBI asked for some names of people who we were looking for. And we're like, okay, sure. Wow. Yeah. I so they, they, they initiated that. I think they did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, they, and so they... Uh, we said sure, and they've one of those names. They said, "Hey, that person's safe." Wow! Just lost their phone or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. they were able to find that. That the field office here in Anchorage, Alaska, was able to figure out someone over in Israel was mm-hmm. actually safe and not taken hostage. Wow. That was huge for us. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, what a what a terrifying statement though to say a missing person in Israel. Now you equate that with hostage. You have to, right? Or, yeah. or, they're, or they're dead and not found yet. Right. That's the other. Yeah, yeah. Explanation of why they're missing. Have you ever been out, like, on a playground or some public place with your kids, and for just that one second, you don't know where they are? Like, you, you turn around, yeah. and you're at the park, and you turn, like, oh, my gosh, where'd they go? Yeah, yeah. And typically, that lasts two seconds, and you're like, oh, whew, there they yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to imagine a parent's experience in Israel right now is just is just shattering. Well, 40, I think that now we're at 44 nations have ha, have citizens that are either missing or dead okay. from this attack. Mm. So, like, it's not just parents in Israel that have lost their children. True. It's parents in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. That have lost their children in Israel, mm-hmm. right? And they can't really get there right now. Yeah. All flights are canceled. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not, yeah. Certainly, that's it's, it's horrible, yeah. no matter which way you look at it. Well, I know there's the, the gap between us speaking right now and the release of this, but what do you anticipate for this congregation moving forward? Do you guys have any special plans? I know the vigil just happened. Yeah. yeah are yeah. there other things or activities coming up that... I mean, we're not really playing anything uh, specific at the moment, okay. uh, oh, but we are, you know, we're certainly always checking in and yeah. saying, how are we doing? What do we? What's needed? Uh, we need to heal, uh, and that's really important, and it's hard to heal when we don't know... If, a, we don't have lots of information of what's going on, and B, we may be at the very beginning of what could be a protracted war. Yeah. And that's hard to heal, too. But, like, you know, we need to, we need to like, live. Like, we can't spend every day, all day, just in a state of, in like, a stasis yeah. of not knowing and not being sure and, and feeling awful about it. Mm-hmm. Like, we all have our day jobs, you right. know? We right. all have our families. We all, so it's a combination of both trying to get back to what I call, it like, a new normal, Mm-hmm. You know, and and also trying to grapple with and process and understand what's going on in Israel, and it's all very complicated. 
You know, when you said new normal, that made me reflect again, though, on what you said about generational trauma. And even within this generation, violence in Israel and Palestine has been repeated, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not... Is it a new normal? What, what's the, what does that repetition do to a community? I mean, well, so, like, we haven't... I mean, there was... In 2014, there uh, there was a, a bat, you know, kind of a pitch battle between Palestinians or um, terrorist organizations and Israel. Uh, and, uh, you know, in 2005, you know, this, this there's a cycle here, right? Mm-hmm. We had we had the first intifada, the, two, the 2005 into the second intifada. Like, mm-hmm. um, there... And essentially, that this happened, just, just FYI, like, uh, this attack occurred on Simchat Torah, which mm-hmm. is a Jewish, a joyous Jewish holiday that essentially caps out the high holidays. Uh, and, um, and it happened on the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. You know, this is a, this is a, a war that Israel won, but that was fought against sort of its neighboring na- nations, yeah. uh, and, which now, luckily, Israel has in a state of peace with most of them. Mm-hmm. But back then, they, it, it wasn't. And so, so it's just like there is this, hist- historically, like Israel has just has been bombarded, quite literally and, and metaphorically. Right. Um, and uh, and it's, it's, it's so complicated. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, I, and so w- w- the expectations from Israel are are great, right? You know, we have lots of human rights groups saying, "Israel, please ho- show some restraint," mm-hmm. uh, and Israel saying rightfully as well, "But we need to protect our citizens." And Hamas is using Palestinians as human shields. Mm-hmm. So we, I mean, we're in a, they're in an impossible situation. Yeah, um, and uh, I hope you know, I hope they navigate it okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I did hear at that vigil a lot of members of your congregation holding that tension as as well in a, yeah. in as yeah, not that I can sit in judgment of it, but in what seemed like a good way in terms of saying Israel has to defend itself, but we also are praying for the safety of innocent Palestinians, yes, and we're praying f- and we're praying for peace. Like the long range is that as well. Um, are there are there ways you're articulating that hope with and for people in your community that might be more, I don't want to say warlike, but but more focused on the moment on yeah. on the counterattack? Well, I, I, what I say is that in, in Judaism, like we abhor violence uh-huh. of all of all kinds, and that's, that's like deep within our within our thing. Like for example, if you look at the at the Torah. You know our Bible, and you look at the at Genesis, which we call Breishit. You know, in Genesis chapter one, it says God says, you know, I created humanity in my image. Mm-hmm. And chapter nine, which is right after the flood story, God says the same thing, but instead of saying that as well, God adds on, and don't kill each other. I created humanity <laughs> in my image, and don't kill each other. You know, I should have mentioned that up top. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, so the abhorrence of violence is deep within our roots, right? Right. Um, and and you know, I often think of Judaism as as a like as as an indicator for civilization. Like, I happen to believe that the, the Torah, um, really, the Bible, is a book that helps us understand how a group of people can become a civilization. Mm-hmm. And the story of the Israelites is a group of slaves who figured out how to turn themselves into a civilization, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I think in Genesis 9, God's saying, you can't be civilized if you're killing each other. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, so we're, that, uh, us Jews are 
into that. And there's this, this other metaphor that I often hear. I'm not sure who, who brought this one up, but but there's this guy that at one point or a person that said that Jews are kind of like canaries in a coal mine hmm. where, uh, you know, I don't even know that metaphor. Yes. Yeah. So, but for those listeners that don't, you know, uh, before there was ways to measure methane or, or, or bad or like deadly gases in, in mines, uh, they literally would bring a, a canary or a small animal who would, if died in that mine, would was an indicator that there's something, there's some lethal gas seeping into that mine, and everyone would leave. Right? It was, yeah. a, it was like an early warning. An early warning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of times, Jews are are a unique demographic that are are, are used as similar metaphor, where it's like if you're killing Jews, it's an early warning sign that your civilization or your or your society is not doing great. It strikes me as a super late sign. Like, I mean, how many other signs come before that? And, you know, that's a, I'm sorry, that's just a horrific metaphor. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap it's, my head around you. Yeah. Calling it's a metaphor the death of used people. all the time throughout history about Oof. Jewish people. And, you know, I, I mean, a lot of us Jews have critiqued it, but honestly, yeah, yeah. today I'm, I'm using it non ironically. Like, right. I'm using it aptly as that, like, yeah, that's, but that's how we feel. So, like, you know, not only. Is our generational trauma triggered? Not only are we mourning the loss of people who we know, or we're mourning with people who who have a loss that we know, mm-hmm. uh, we're also having a central crisis of is society okay? Like is society stable? Because we're dying, right? You know, um, we're being we're, we're being murdered, yeah. Uh, and and that's another like component to sort of like the trauma that us Jews experience. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I, I just want to over and over again say, I'm just so sorry. <laughs> and I think there's a general sense of helplessness, uh, you know, of, for most people here in the U.S. Like, what can we do? And yeah. even the phrase violence in the Middle East is has become such a recurrence. And there's a temptation to just throw your hands up and be like, well, it's always been that way. But that's its own weird form of anti-Semitism and racism in and of itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, how how can people help? Like, if someone is feeling that sense of of either nihilism or helplessness or what have you, do you have any recommendations for how people can be helpful? Yeah. I mean, first of all, um, uh, the First Amendment. Okay. I think I love it. Right. It, I'm in favor too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, uh, and unwavering support and sort of legislation and, and rules that mm-hmm. allow the freedom of religion to is like n- number one. Right. Okay. I think in Anchorage, it's Article 5. It has a similar wording as the First Amendment in terms of, of not being discriminated against. Okay. Uh, so it's like, first and foremost, just unwavering support of any kind of rule or legislation that allows us, you know, that allows us to meet. Uh The other thing is that one of the biggest problems isn't just hate towards Jews. It's really just, it's ignorance towards Mm -hmm. Judaism, right? There's so many people out there that's never met anyone Jewish before Mm -hmm. who, who have, who, who like our, who believe whatever people, whatever they hear, whatever misinformation they hear about Judaism. Uh, The most hilarious one, Matt, is that Jews have horns, have you heard that one before? I have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and can you believe that I've encountered people that believe it's true? No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So Borat popularized that again but whenever Borat came out, what, which 10 is, years which ago? Which is played by Sasha Cohen, yeah, yeah. who's very Jewish, by the way. Right. But he <laughs> picked up on that, and he was, of course, yeah. mocking the belief yeah. by, by embodying it. Yeah. But is that from the mistranslation of the Bible where it said Moses came down from the mountain with horns? 
Are you familiar with that? I, I, I'm familiar with that. I, I'm not. I don't think there's any logic around this. It's just people being stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I guess for anyone that's not Jewish that encounters something mm-hmm. like that, push back. You know, on the horns. <laughs> push the horns back. Right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Push. I'm saying is that like counter it vocally, openly. Say. I know someone who's Jewish and they're not like that, or say mm-hmm. that's not what Judaism is about. Whatever, like, like to let something ignorant or anti-Semitic go unchecked yeah. out in the open is enabling that behavior. Yeah, you've uh, uh, mentioned that before in terms of counter speech. Yeah, you exactly, it. And exactly what I call it. The most c- powerful counter speech isn't me giving like some amazing speech to thousands of people, yeah. right? Talking about how Jews are good and something's bad. The most powerful counter speech is at a family dinner when the crazy uncle says something bad about Jews and someone says, Hey, not cool, man. Yeah. Like that's the most powerful version of counter speech right there at the personal local level. I love that. Yeah. And and think of the cost to the person doing the counter speech. It's probably two or three minutes of discomfort. Yeah. Social discomfort. Yeah. Right? Not yeah. even physical anything. Two or three minutes maybe. And then you're back to your normal dinner time. Yeah, and you're doing a world of good for Judaism. Right. Uh, because now that person most likely never encountered pushback before. Mm-hmm. And now that they have, they're gonna think twice about saying it out loud. Yeah. Right, and that's keep it keep it from being said out loud. And oftentimes, that little bit of pushback will cause that person to go, "Oh no, 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 I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry." You know, they start backpedaling, yeah, which is a beautiful be- thing to see. Even better, right? Yeah. Right. That's what people can do. Nice. And that requires some bravery. It does. Yeah. Yeah, but but I think also the more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, I know I know you want to say you're you're so sorry, but. And, and I'm glad that you're saying that. But the reality is that, you know, the fact that Jews ha- need to be brave really builds, I think, character in a positive way. Hmm. Like, uh, we're uh, us Jews are positioned in a way where we have to work on being brave more often. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that necessarily being a bad thing, right? Uh, you know, watching people come to my community and having to use uh, or having to, like, exercise a sense of bravery to get here, in my mind, is incredible. Right, because then they become brave at other things too. Yeah, uh, and they don't, and, and Jews don't let fear control our decisions, you know. And since we've already encountered this, we're, we've already sort of have like that that going. Um, and so when they encounter something else that scares them, nothing to do with anti-Semitism or whatever, they have they've worked in their bravery before, yeah. and that's and that's good. That's good work. I, I, and I don't want to like diminish that at all, but you're putting a you're looking at the positive part of a negative thing. I, and I, I, and maybe I'm just a jerk, but I, I my <laughs> focus is like, but there shouldn't be the negative thing in the first place. Yeah, yeah, and and that's just, and no, anytime soon, that's just not going to happen, Matt. Because even before this conflict, um, anti-Semitism was at an all-time record high in mm. 2022. Oh, right? Yeah, that's insane. That's insane. Yep, the ADL. You're um, speaking about within the U.S. Within, as just, measured just by ADL. The, okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a. Th- 36% increase from 2021. How much? 36%. Wow. Yeah, yeah. This is well for the conflict. So... What happened within 2021 and 2022 that caused that? Do we know? We There is no singular event th- that we know of. Because not to be too partisan, but I would have thought before that that's Trump causing trouble before him. White national, white Christian nationalism. Right. All that stuff. I mean, it's just a continuation Probably. of that stuff. But okay. there's nothing, There's that's the that's kind of the other scarier part. We have the data, but we don't necessarily have the why of the data. Okay. Right? That's for historians to figure out later. Yeah. 
we're just living in the moment and trying to just understand how to manage it. Well, let me be the ray of sunshine for a minute then. What, uh, tell me the importance or what it meant to you that at that vigil there were statements made by Governor Dunleavy, Governor Walker, and our two senators. Yeah. What's Senator the, what's the impact, of, impact of that for Huge. You? It's huge. Uh, their unwavering support to Israel is also un- unwavering support to the Jewish community. That's how we read it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we got their views on essentially on video, mm-hmm. um, and we've published those videos to show that, like... I saw that online. Yeah, yeah. that was good. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we're just super thrilled. I mean, we had so many Alaskan leaders mm-hmm. at this vigil come and say, we support you all. And that's what us Jews need to hear, mm-hmm. you know, that, like, we're also Alaskans here in, in Alaska. We're not just Jewish. You know, I, I mean, I was raised in this state. I consider myself an Alaskan Jew. I mean, it's half of my my, my identity is Alaskan, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so, so it was really comforting to see our our essentially our DC delegation and our uh, many state politicians and leaders yeah. um, come come to our congregation and say, "Hey, we support you all. This is horrible, and whatever you need, we got your back." Yeah, <sighs> yeah, so nice. Now, that one I knew the answer to when I asked it, so I was being kind of, you know, I was teeing up. This one I honestly don't know the answer to, yeah. so I'd love to hear your thoughts. What What is the impact and what does it mean to you that President Biden flew to Israel? I mean, we're all in love with President Biden's response to this conflict. Okay. Um, he's been very strong. He's been very proactive. And the and then he flew to Israel. Like, we were all, we were all into, into his response even before he flew to Israel. Yeah. Uh, so um, we have a huge ally in Biden, and that just makes us feel so much better. We also hope that with Biden, Israel understands that its reaction to this uh, will ha- has consequences no matter no matter what happens. So so for example, it, it, we recognize that like maybe I mean Palestinians are in deep need of, of humanitarian aid. Right when mm-hmm. Israel has the capacity to sort of turn off their water and electricity, think about that for a moment. Israel controls right. the utilities of Gaza Strip, for better or for worse. I don't know how I feel about that. It, yeah. uh, whether it's good or bad, it just is. Mm-hmm. And so when Hamas committed atrocities against against Israelis, you know, killing as of now fourteen hundred people that we know about, um, Israel turned off the utilities. Yeah. Uh, which means that innocent Palestinians and civilians are in desperate need of humanitarian aid. Yeah. Uh, and so Biden has the the gravitas, if you will, the power to negotiate with Israel to say, yes, we support you, but also, can we get some humanitarian aid into Palestine and for the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip? And Israel says, okay, because you said that, Biden, because you're, we're going to try to do that, mm-hmm. right? So not only can Biden, not only does, is Biden supporting Israel, but Biden's also asking Israel to think about like how to manage these people who are in crisis as well. And I really support that. I'm really glad that Biden's doing that work. Yeah. Yeah. I I have two questions about that. One is I saw a headline today, and I know headlines are dumb, but the headline said, with his visit to Israel, the out, you know, whatever happens next is deeply tied to Biden. Yeah. And I thought, well, it wasn't it already. I mean, it's the, the, politics of our two nations are so interconnected. Yeah. No matter what happened one way or another, it was going to reflect on the Biden administration some way. Question two for you, and just feel free to ignore or do them both, but um, for Biden to say, can we get humanitarian aid to Palestinians, is that 
is that controversial within the community of American Judaism? Would there be some people that say, no, that's too lenient, or is that... Absolutely. I think, once again, two Jews, three opinions. Yeah. Right? So you're going to have Jews across the board Mm -hmm. uh, about in response to this. Um, And so you're going to have some Jews that say, this is not enough, and you're going to have some Jews that say, I feel feel betrayed by Biden for doing this. Mm -hmm. I can't speak for all Jews. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in, in, right. I guess I can't speak for all Jews' opinions and in, 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 in positions. You can I, describe. I can many just describe them. Ones. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. Um, and I can tell you how person and that's how I feel. Right, that like humanitarian aid is important for the Palestinians. That's my that's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. And as a rabbi, I believe that is sort of the Jewish way. But boy, are there lots of rabbis that are in, in all different kinds of camps in this in, in reaction to this. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's there's a tendency to say. What is the Jewish opinion? Yeah, and that's as, just, as opposed to you know, well, how many Jews are in America? <laughs> that's the American Jewish yeah, opinion. Is yeah, that number. Of, yeah, that many. Yeah. Jews, exactly right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that's so that's how opinions there are. So that's just so that's how we're, us Jews are, are pretty complicated. Well, I think that's not to take away your specialness, pal. But I, <laughs> I'm also thinking back again to post 9/11, and initially there was this unity of you know, vengeance, really. But when it came to the Iraq war, there was a huge division. And already there there was that, that you know, breadth of opinions all yeah. across the board. Yeah. And so in some ways, that's that's being human. Yeah, You certainly. know, just any group of Americans. <laughs> so human, When was yeah. the last time America agreed on anything that yeah. wasn't based on killing somebody, sadly? But, um, well, also, we all want really nice food. But... Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> We're all selfish. We all want to just have our own stuff. Yeah. I, I'm just feeling I'm feeling grouchy now because the topic is so heavy and sad. <laughs> it is. Oh, man. Well, I do feel like there was nice community support. Um, and perhaps because of that, do you feel like in town that negative, and I'm just speaking locally, that, that any sort of anti-Semitism, does it go into hiding temporarily when this kind of thing happens? Or does it jump up even more? We're bracing for a heightened anti-Semitism to occur. How does that express itself here in Anchorage? Um, hard to know. Okay. It's just, it's it, we don't really understand it until it's in front of us. Interesting. Because, you know, it could express itself as graffiti or tagging of our building or our signs. Uh-huh. It could express ourselves in a, in a way we do not expect. That's the problem with anti-Semitism is that we, we know it's around, we know it's there, but we don't know how it's going to come at us. Yeah. But I should also say that, you know, um, one of the reasons why, of course, we're really into, we're really happy with um, law enforcement's response is that, you know, they come to us and they tell us if, they're, if they see an issue. And so far, Matt, they say there's nothing out there. Okay. And I believe them, right? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. so so at the moment we're doing okay, but mm-hmm. I I am being vigilant about this one because I feel like we're we're, we're bracing for something for something horrible. Um, and you got to think of it a little bit like an iceberg too, because like for the the big event that happens, like you know the tree of the Pittsburgh Tree of Life killing, where seven Jews were slain in a synagogue, mm-hmm. you know those events only occur if there's like a thousands of anti-Semitic like incidences already, right? Like, that's not you know, the first event. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's just a, that event occurred. That's that's above the iceberg, right? Below the iceberg is yeah. this huge amount of things going on. So the more so the more smaller events that there are, to us suggests there's going to be a big event as well. And c- can I clarify, though, those smaller events aren't like 
acts of violence or act of vandalism, they might be comments and yeah. statements and people writing things online yeah. and things yeah. of that nature. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think I, I talked about this on, on the podcast where uh, we there was some, the guy that sort of created the church for Alaskans against honest elections right. or for honest elections, whatever, um, he himself set up, made, created a, a uh, what is being alleged to be a oh okay a press release that yeah. said that that claimed someone was Soros funded right right that's an anti-Semitic trope that uh-huh. counts that that that's a moment okay. that that gets measured in by the ADL mm-hmm. uh, and so while it wasn't graffiti while it wasn't anything other than just a like a, a two word thing uh, that that was anti-Semitic I feel like um, I think State Senator Forrest Dunbar mentioned also last year at the or recently at one of the assembly meetings where they had those yellow stars of David yeah. that they were like waving around. That strikes me as above the surface iceberg yep. stuff, right? Yeah. And that came from, for example, Save Anchorage, which is a uh, social media group that, that has a lot of chatter going back and forth. And that chatter is frequently just horribly anti-Semitic and racist and you name it. Yeah, and you know, and, and some of that is what I would call ignorance. You know, I don't believe there's hate in their heart against Jews, but even even during the moment they're making yellow stars, I think they're ignorant of understanding what that meant. I, I want to agree with you, but I want... Do you, though? Are you sure? Or, or is that a hope or a belief or both? Both? I mean, I, I, if, it were, if it were hate, it would have been a lot nastier, right? Because we've dealt with hate before, and it's vitriolic, and it's awful. You know, they were trying to they were trying to compare the plight of the Jewish people in the Holocaust with their own plight of being having their own. I would say you can't see me using quotes right now, but freedoms, right. air quote freedoms taken away. Right? That's not. I wouldn't call that like super hate against Jews. I'd call that real ignorance and a misunderstanding of of what that of what that the, the symbolism yeah. means. Um, okay. And and by approaching it that way, I got to go away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so if I approached it differently, I might not have. True, true. Oh, wow. Every time there's a pause in the conversation, I just kind of just say, wow, this is too big and too sad and horrible. <laughs> Welcome to Judaism. <laughs> <laughs> what a great commercial well, to, yeah, to convert right I, there. Well, I tell you what, every conversion candidate that comes through our doors uh-huh. – I sit down with them, and we have a whole conversation. And then one of the last things I say is that, you know that with the six million Jews that were murdered in the Holocaust, those are now your people, right? That you have to carry that baggage with you. And that's the baggage that we carry. Are you prepared for that? Hmm. And so I tell them, I'm like, because that's part of what this is, too. Like, people don't like us. People hate us. People kill us. Uh, And we've throughout all history, it's been a problem. Hmm. And now that's your baggage. Hmm. Is that something that you want to, is that, are you sure you want to be Jewish? Uh, And uh, normally they all say yes for some reason. I find it surprising. We've talked on here about the differences between what might be ethnically Jewish or culturally Jewish or religiously Jewish. And I find it somewhat surprising, maybe I shouldn't, that, that that's something that you consider a thing that can be taken on by choice. Yep. That baggage. Like, is, is that baggage not strictly for those who are ethnically Jewish, but for no. those who choose the yeah. identification? We, we retcon it. Retroactive continuity. This is, sounds crazy, but I feel like that's generous of you. Uh, is that a weird word to choose? No. Heard, no. Okay. Once you're Jewish, you're always Jewish. Hmm. We don't question it. You know, there's no, there's no like hierarchy of being born Jew versus being Jew by choice. 
Mm-hmm. You're, once you, a Jew is a Jew is a Jew, right? Once you're Jewish, we always consider you Jewish. Okay. And, yeah. and so you've been retconned in. That means, that means, yeah, you were there at Sinai. You were, yeah, that's your wow. people. Like, you were there, yeah, yeah, those are, yeah. So for that's how we experience it. That's how mm-hmm. we, and that's, you know, that's how our, our people who convert come in. Now, I'll tell you right now, the other thing I tell people who convert is it takes a year yeah. to convert to Judaism. So you got to be tenacious right. if you want to be Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people actually prefer that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Cuz yeah, yeah. it makes it mean something. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to all you got to do is give us a dollar and you're in and then it's like, <laughs> well, that's cheap. Right. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. All right. <laughs> Did we fix anti-Semitism? <laughs> no. We're not going to, Matt. That's the other sad thing too is I my my kids aren't going to fix it. Their kids aren't going to fix it. It's not something to fix that we can't fix. It's something right. to manage. Um, just like how people manage disease, mm-hmm. right? You just, you, you do your best that you can do and recognize that some days you do better than others. Man, I'll tell you, that's the one thing I want to push back on. And I don't know that I should. I don't yeah. know that I can. But in the long term, you know, moral arc of the universe sense, I do still hold out hope that it will end along with, you know, racism and all the other exclusionary belief systems that, that harm people, maybe not in our lifetime or our kids' lifetimes, but I, I do still hold that hope that in the long run, those things will be healed. I mean, uh, yeah, that's a great thing to hope for. Um, and, and you know what? I, I'm, I mean, I think part, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And maybe I'm not the right, maybe I'm, I'm too tainted by Jewish pain to be able to be that person that experiences that, mm-hmm. but maybe my grandchildren will. You know what I mean? That yeah. like it's it's possible, and yeah. it might be totally uh, like uh, not the the week to be focusing on that, right? Maybe that's just this week. All you're thinking about is is safety and and making sure people can contact each other. Yeah, it really is, and uh, yeah, and and just so you know, we're still learning about people who are being hostages or who mm-hmm. are. Who are dead? Even even today, we learned about a bunch of new people. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. we're still not. We still don't have all the information yet. That struck me before. I think you used the word healing. Like one of the things you're looking for is healing. And I thought, well, how can you look to healing when you're still in the middle of the trauma? That when the current trauma is still ongoing. Yeah. How can you heal? Uh, when that's you're, too early to heal. I mean, how can you heal when you're in the middle of dealing with some debilitating disease? Right. Parts of you can't, but parts you have to try. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you can't. It has to start sometime or somewhere. Uh, so yeah. I'm trying to. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's too soon. But it's always going to be too soon. So we, we gotta just start it somehow. Yeah, and still yeah. have a life in the meantime. And as still have best a life in the meantime. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Because really, if you if you stop having a life in the meantime, then Hamas really does win, right? Yeah. Because like Hamas wants to prevent our existence altogether, mm-hmm. right? So if we don't, if, if, if we're not happy, if, if we don't have fulfilling lives, if we don't do Jewish things, Hamas is winning, yeah. right? Yeah. A- anyone that wants to, to strike terror in Jewish heart is winning. So I think we're mandated to be as normal as we can mm-hmm. in the, during this time to show that Hamas can't. That's can't a great win. way to look at it, yeah. yeah. The, the thing that they're trying to destroy, let's keep on lifting that up and making sure others know that there's beauty in it. Yeah. To that end, I wonder, you know, online, uh, whether uh, any social media places and things like that, if listeners can go to Congregation Beth Shalom and you have videos of the um, 
the Michi brothers singing, yeah. right? Yeah. You, know, you have some snippets of that that yeah, are short yeah. and shareable. I, and I also have a, um, I have a sermon up there. It's, it's like a 13-minute long sermon about anti-Semitism that okay. I gave during the high holidays. I, I recommend playing that. I mean, that happened yeah. before the conflict, but only by two weeks before the conflict. And you also shared the videos of our elected officials' yes. support. Yeah, and that, so, so that's all on Alaska Judaism Media, which is the name of our YouTube channel. Could you, okay, and I'll probably link it to this. Yeah, why don't you link that and yeah. let's in, uh, link a whole bunch of them. Yeah, and also on whatever social media things you and I have going on, let's really share those out there as sort of a just a reminder of the life and the joy and the the beauty that that will not be destroyed. Yeah, yeah, it's a great idea. All right, so should we lighten the mood a little bit? Let's lighten the mood. <laughs> Talk uh, about. Dungeons and Dragons? Well, you explain to me, because again, I'll, I'll reference Forrest Dunbar again, not meaning to do it twice in one episode, but I, I saw it through his Twitter feed that he had reposted something you posted. Oh, yeah? I didn't know which, he did that. I didn't which, even know how you knew about it. In which you said, I guess I should have explained in my previous <laughs> message what I'm talking about. So yeah. tell the story, Yeah, please. so, okay. So uh, we have a lot of congregants here interested in Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I feel like the queer community... Is a lot of members of the crew community love really? playing? Yeah, I didn't know there was an overlap there. I, I, I don't. Maybe huh. this is the first time I'm noticing it, and maybe it's you know. I mean, I don't know. It's maybe anecdotal and not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not actually, be physically accurate, but anecdotally accurate. You know okay. what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, and I really, I, and, and, and I really liked D and D. And so on this on this email that I sent, I, I proudly stated CBS now hosts D and D campaigns because uh, you know we 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 now. Did you call it? D and D or called it, No, I called it D and D. Didn't okay. think anything of it because I know exactly what that is. Right. Almost everyone that I know knows what that is. Uh, and for listeners who don't know, Dungeons and Dragons well, is a role playing game. Yeah, well, hold on. I'll get <laughs> oh, there. you'll get there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so they're not so proud of our community that we're now hosting this, and you know we're offering like a, a yeah. safe and welcoming environment for for both you know grown ups and kids to play, and and then we have like people who are organizing it and like making it happen, and it's so cool. And then and then. You know, essentially what the email ended up being is like those who know, know, and those who don't know, don't know. And so I got just a flood of emails <laughs> of people saying, what is D&D? You know, and there, <laughs> most of them were, yeah, yeah, it was just really funny. And so uh, so I sent a second email out yeah. saying, sorry, folks, I should have really explained what this is. And it is like a role-playing game. You play it on a tabletop. Um, you have a, a DM or a dungeon master who controls the environment and tells the story. And essentially, you you create a character and you solve a bunch of problems that the dungeon master puts your way. Uh, and it's cooperative. It's fun. And in, in these things, you have a character that you're playing and you act out scenarios that tend to be back in the days of wizards and, and, and warriors and yeah. kind of Lord of the Rings-ish. Yes, yes, and, exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. And so it's wholesome. It's fun. But it, it was a sor- the source, I believe, of the 80s satanic panic. I don't think it was the source, but it was one of the flashpoints. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and I, you know, stupid Christian church again. You know, church, I love you, but you've done a lot of boneheaded things. And uh, as a nerd in the 80s who played Dungeons and Dragons, I, I had people saying that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, this is a, you know, this is Satan is going to mind control your children if they decide they want to roll dice and say, I'm a wizard now. Yeah, it's insane yeah. and 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 sad. I I was a D and D nerd to the extent that my friends and I got tired of the the over inhibiting rules. The rules are so gigantic and long winded, yeah. yeah. and they go on and on and on. We just made our own 
role-playing game that was stripped down and fast. So we wanted to get into that There's action. Awesome. There's so many games like that now, currently, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, but us Jews, we love rules, right? Think about us. Like, we're the people of the book, you know, <laughs> we have a whole thing called a Talmud. You, you have to imagine that D&D goes right into our, into, like, our, like, I don't know, our, our comfort right zone. Right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, because rules are, like, what we abide by, you know? And so... And that so makes me good, crazy. That makes me nuts. I hate the rules. It's a good so. for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I got our kids into D and D. It was so much fun, and we play the fast version, not the not the rules version. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and yeah, and there's so many other organizations and companies now that create tabletop RPGs that yeah. are not necessarily affiliated with the Dungeons and Dragons, and they're and they're all, I think, awesome. You know. Well, we can um, give a shout out to John Weddleton and Bosco's because they will have uh, free role playing games available once a year. I think where they have some things in stock that they'll just let you you know oh, check out cool. some campaigns. Know. Go Bosco's. Uh, not like maybe a full game, but like certain campaigns and stuff, and really good fun stuff. It's really I wonder cool. If we get our podcast supported by Bosco's, you know, with sponsorship. Divine, yeah, who divines us. That'd be great. Supported, sponsored yeah. by Bosco's. Sure I, he actually sure had me the in. Uh, they, they invited me in one year. They've invited me in a few years, but the scheduling is usually a, a tr- uh, problem. But I, I did the blessing of the dice, and so people <laughs> would so come in with your dice, and a lot of times people have really specific dice pouches, like uh-huh. real leather and like. Yeah. Ornate and their own certain set of special dice, and I would say a little blessing over the. What them would you say? I'm trying to remember. It was a few years ago because again, you know, it was it was shut down for uh, COVID, and then the, the few since COVID, it just I haven't been available. I would say something along the lines of, uh, you know, well, the may these dice roll fairly and true, and <laughs> they open doors to imagination and fun and adventure. <laughs> and you know, they always pack a natural 20. You know? That's the thing, yeah. I, I was so careful in my wording because I didn't want to pretend like I can I can impact randomness. <laughs> my prayers do not yeah. alter the fundamental oh, rules man. of the universe. If you hear about that again, I want to participate as well. Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. We'll we make do, it a, we an interfaith blessing yeah, of the yeah, dice yeah. next time. Yeah, I will say, and maybe Matt Schultz blessings not work. That's what I'll do. For no! <laughs> Well, here's the important question of the day, and perhaps this is what we close on. What is your your preferred character orientation on the chaotic to neutral to good oh, to evil? I am like I am like chaotic neutral. Same. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, we should do a worldwide survey. What does clergy choose? Yeah. Why do you clear? Why do oh, you choose that? I love messing with with the game. Oh, I have so much Same. fun. I yeah. love the I love the rules and I love messing with the rules. You know what I mean? And wait, uh, that is a that's you're you're a contradiction. Ex- Chaotic neutral. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my my last character was a bard named Mr. Wizard. And, and so, Wait, why were you not a wizard named Mr. Wizard? Exactly the problem. You are uh, a contradiction. And, uh, and so I really wanted to be a bard who was trying to pretend to be a wizard, and it was so much fun. My DM though did not was not so thrilled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a wizard who's named Mr. Bard. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh man, oh, we were gonna if we were ever playing together, we we're gonna annoy the DM so badly. Yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and whenever I, I roll a, a natural twenty, which you know so rare, yeah. I'm always like, whatever happens, DM, there needs to be a chandelier somehow involved. <laughs> Like, we're outside. I'm like, I don't care. It's a D20, a natural 20. Chandelier's got to happen. You know, and they're like, oh my gosh, Abram. And I'm like, I'm sorry. That's how I play. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. Awesome, man. All right. Well, I think that closes it up for us. So, what an intense emotional episode we had today, Matt. It was something. Please know that I can't speak for all Christians, but I do know that everyone at Christians for Equality. 
everyone at First Presbyterian Church is praying for you. We love you. And if there's anything that we could ever do that's helpful, you can count on us. Wow. Thank you. We appreciate it. Big time. Um, that keeps us. That really does keep us going. I, I've gotten so many emails and texts of support, and that's been so helpful to see those. So I, I really that. appreciate your prayers. They do. They they are helping. Just FYI. Um, right. So, anyways, thanks to you all if you got gotten this far. Thanks for listening and under, trying to understand this conflict. And we could, in our next podcast episode, we could be saying a lot more new, different things. Depending Let's hope on when, how this goes. Yeah. yeah, depending on how this goes. Um, and so, just know that this is a this is a um, evolving yes. uh, process, and uh, who knows where we'll be at in a month from now. So, anyways, we're signing off now. Uh, take care, and then and thank you, and have a chaotic good week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>